Herein lies the best definition of prayer. You probably could come up with a lot, but for me, I think this is the best definition. Prayer is simply this, communicating with God. Communicating with God. So often we feel like, you know, hey, what in my prayer time? I need to use six of these, four thous, and at least 12 words that are 14 syllables long. I mean, that's, it's just not the case. I think sometimes when we, especially new believers, they hear someone pray, and um, they, oh man, I want to pray like that, and so I, I, I don't know how to pray, because they pray like this, and I pray like this. Listen, you don't have to, just because you don't talk like someone else, uh, you don't have to be fake. You don't have to come into the presence of God. Thou God, heavenly creator, how omnipotent and omnipresent you are. Oh, thou, O oh Lord, are a shield unto me. I mean, if you pray like that, great. But you don't have to pray like someone else to be accepted by God. We have to be careful today because I'm looking out at the audience and then people listening online, and I'm seeing a group of people that for the most part, you say, hey, I'm going to talk about prayer. Heard it. I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'd be surprised if I said, hey, has anyone here not heard a message on prayer? I would be shocked, really, if someone raised their hand and said, I have not heard a message on prayer. And we have to be careful because many books, articles, seminars, lessons, sermons, and workshops have been done on prayer. They've been written and given on prayer. And if we're not careful, we end up talking about prayer, reading about prayer, studying about prayer, speaking about prayer, writing about prayer, and then actually never doing it. And so I can't express the importance of this lesson tonight. This is one of those lessons that I'm like, I wish I could just call everybody up from upstairs, call everybody who's not here and tell them to get here in 30 minutes and we'll wait on them because we cannot be the church that God's called us to be if we don't have prayer. This, this possibly could be the most important lesson in this series because if we get everything else down and we just nail it all, we just understand it all, we excel in all of it, but we do not pray, really nothing else matters. If we somehow miss this lesson, and so, in a spe- not just in general, I could teach this lesson any day of any year, and it's important. But especially in this season, because I feel like God is challenging. My wife and I have been praying. We've been at camp meeting. We just feel like the specific area in which God is challenging us is to, to raise our level of prayer and fasting. And it's not even necessary. You're going to hear me say this several times over the next few weeks. It's not even because we're all heathen. We're all sinners. We're all doing things wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to hell. And, oh, and it's none of that. It is the fact, not even that we're necessarily doing something wrong, as much as God is aligning us and he's prepared to do some marvelous, miraculous things. And he is inviting his church and challenging his church to step up and to go into realms where we have not yet gone. And if we will do that, there's a preparation phase here that he is ready God is ready to do miraculous things in our lives, in our families, and in this church. But will we respond to the challenge of prayer, fasting, and spiritual preparation? Should I shout that tonight? Would that get you excited? All right, is anybody on board with this? Are you seeing what I'm saying? 
So if prayer becomes part of the fabric and the culture of our lives, then our relationship with God will be growing and thriving. We will want others to know about him. We will be more interested in his kingdom than our kingdom. And in that relationship with that God, that we will we'll fan again that flame, as Paul told Timothy. And so I come here. I don't know if I would say a heavy heart, because a heavy heart sounds um, depressed, sounds discouraged. I'm not discouraged at all. I come here with a, a burdened heart that if we can respond to the call to pray, if there could be a revival of prayer in our lives, we're getting ready to see things we've never seen before. But I believe it's prefaced first by the revival of prayer. And revival doesn't even, I, I, maybe that's not even the right word because I wouldn't even say that we're all dead in prayer. But I believe there's a challenge on the table from God that if we will pray and step into new realms of prayer and pray more than we've ever prayed, he's getting ready to do great things. We need to pray right now because otherwise I'm going to speak this message and nothing's going to happen. So I need to be anointed and you need to be anointed to receive. So will you right now lift your voice? Don't do this. And wait for me to finish. Will you lift your voice and you talk to Jesus? I'll talk to Jesus. And let's all get ready to hear this message. Jesus, Father, Lord, God, I, I, I just come before you right, right now. <clears throat> and Lord, I am just praying and just asking that our hearts and minds will be open. Lord, that Father, that anything that's gone on prior to this moment, that we'd set it aside. That we would focus on you and you alone here tonight. And Lord, that we would receive what it is that you want us to receive. Like I just said, this possibly could be one of the most important lessons in the whole series. And because of that, I know that there'll be resistance. I know there's going to be resistance even in me trying to teach this tonight. And so, Lord God, I, I, I take dominion right now by your authority. The name of Jesus, the Holy Ghost, the blood of Calvary, the word of God. I stand on those four things tonight. And Jesus, I pray that every heart and mind will be open. And Lord Jesus, that you're going to do great, miraculous things as a result of biblical principles that are sown here in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know that Barna Research Company did a report, and they reported for, for how long people pray. Any ideas on how long people pray? What they found was the total amount of time spent in prayer in a day for the average believer is five minutes or less. Let that sink in. Five minutes or less is what the average believer spends in, in time in prayer. If you haven't figured it out yet, growing with God instead of living in sin takes commitment. It takes sacrifice. Really anything worthwhile, profitable. If you're trying to start a business, lose weight, gain muscle, anything that you're trying to do, anything profitable takes time, effort, and energy. And having a powerful walk with God is no different. I think if I said tonight, hey, who wants a powerful walk with God? I really think that we would all be like, yeah, that'd be cool. Who wants to be close to God? I think everybody would be like, yes, I'm all for that. That sounds like a good thing. But when we look at, hey, what is the time commitment? What is the sacrifice? That would be like asking a skinny guy like myself, how would you like to be ripped? Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Am I willing to put the time in and eat that diet? Absolutely not. I'll just tell you right now. <laughs> you can ask a larger person, hey, would you like to lose weight? Of course I would. But am I willing to eat right, exercise, do these things? A lot of times we are just content in who we are. 
And spiritually, we can't get to that place that we just say, you know what? I'm all right. You know, I, God and I, we, we're, on, we're on speaking terms. I worship him. I feel him on a regular basis. And it's cool for me. It's all right. But God has a challenge on the table that's saying, if you will dive into this more than you ever have, if you're willing to make commitment sacrifices, if you're willing to get up a little bit earlier and stay up a little bit later and maybe skip a lunch to spend time in prayer, I'm going to do some things in your life that you've never seen done yet. The concept of prayer makes sense to us. It might even sound easy. Hey, take some time tomorrow morning, set it aside, talk to Jesus before you go to work. Hey, no problem. Sounds sounds simple. Sounds easy. But then there's this problem. This... Ten minutes later. Ten minutes later. You know, how many times do you hit it, really? Okay. So... What life happens, and then you say, man, yesterday I fully intended on praying, but today, you know, the, 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 the sleep comfort is set, and the tempur mattress is hugging me, and the pillow is just on my neck, and uh. And we'll shoot for later today. Getting our flesh to actually do it's another story. So the question becomes, this week and next week, I'm not even going to tell you what we're talking about next week, because then you won't come. You, you know Pentecostals love to eat, because we already have seven people in the audience saying fasting. <laughs> You'll have to show up to see. But the question is, do you rule your flesh, or does your flesh rule you? I mean, at the end of the day, really, everything that we do in walking with God and serving God, doesn't it come down to the answer to that question? Well, what about tithing? What about entertainment? What about fasting? What about praying? What about walking with God? What about denying flesh? What about separation from this world? Doesn't everything come back to that fact? Do we rule our flesh or does our flesh rule us? And so... What, what is the main priority of our lives? Do, does sleep win out over prayer? Does social media win out over prayer? Does television win out over prayer? Because so many times we say, okay, the average person spends five minutes in prayer. Wait till we get to the entertainment lesson and you see how much time people spend in entertainment. I don't know the study, but I'd, I'd love to know, I probably wouldn't love to know, how much time is spent looking on Facebook. So what I'm saying is it's all about values. It's all about priorities. It's all about flesh versus spirit. It's unnatural. See, prayer prayer is not physical. It's unnatural to stop and talk to someone we can't see or hear. The challenge in prayer is we must discipline ourselves to talk to the Lord. Just like that to wake up in the morning, we don't have that alarm to wake us up and go pray. Like, there's not an electrical surge that goes through our body when it's time to pray. I have a good idea. I could patent that as a pastor. You know, like, hey, I want a spiritual congregation. We're doing a series on prayer. I'm just going to hook you up to this little meter. And five times a day, I just control it, and I'll just send just a light electrical impulse. 
so that wherever you are, you'll just be walking into your boss. You'll be like, here's the report you asked for. You know? She'd be like, oh, that's right. Pastor says it's time to pray. I would just be there to help, honestly. But it's all up to us. Where can we find the Lord in our monotonous routine of three meals a day to school, to work, to bed? How many of you have a routine that you go through in a day? Large majority? No one wants to stop for anything once the day gets started. Prayer can almost be viewed as an interruption to our day. And that's not the way it should be viewed. The only way to overcome viewing prayer as an interruption is to make Jesus Christ the center of your life, the foundation of your life, that it's not just, well, I have to mow the grass, get to work, pick up groceries. I still got to take the kids here. I have to do this. Oh, that's right. I still wanted to pray this morning. Jesus Christ becomes, this is the centerpiece of my life. Nothing else that I'm going to do in this day is more important than the time that I carve out for Christ. This is my foundation. This is the centerpiece. Everything else, it, it, it revolves and exists around this. But this, this right here is non-negotiable. And I'd say, based on statistics, the, the vast majority of Christians don't feel that way. Because we'd be spending more than five minutes. And so... Spend our days with him. He wants to share our daily routine. It's not like I have to, oh, that's right. I have to force myself to pray this morning, get up early, carve out these little time, and then I just leave him and go get my other stuff done. But if we could change the way we view it, that when I leave, when I go walk over here, that I'm, I'm getting up and I'm literally walking and talking with him, that literally God comes with me everywhere. We converse. That's why the scripture, pray without ceasing. That does not literally mean you wake up in the next 24 hours, don't talk to anyone else but Jesus you have to just talk to no it's a mindset of everywhere I go my mind is stayed on Christ that I can go into a barber shop I can go into a grocery store I can walk to my job I can go work out and I'm just thinking about God I'm thinking about Christ I'm thinking about what he's doing I'm thinking about hey God thank you for this day Lord I'm going to work out keep me safe as I work out open a door for me at the gym where I could even talk to someone that's someone hungry that needs hope that I could just see them in there and I walk in there and I think about man you know who who's here that God could really really minister too, and, and I go to the grocery store, and you know, I mean, just the, the, that our minds just, he's a part of everything we do. And so for some, it takes a shift in our mindset to know that, hey, he's the center of my life. I don't just say, man, I really need to pray because it's been a bad day. Even bad days can be viewed through a good lens when you started your day with prayer. So we take him with us. And so we need to be planning a visit each and every day. I heard someone say, if you don't know when you're praying tomorrow, you probably won't. If you say, hey, what, when, you got your routine down? What time do you pray? Tomorrow's Thursday. What's your time for prayer? If you say, well, usually I try to shoot to get out of bed, but sometimes Wednesday pastor talks too long. And <laughs> I couldn't finish that, and he was already laughing. I'm not even going to say who he is, but. But that's because what? 
Oh, pastor's too late, or we went on fries cream, we did this, and then you know what? I ended up responding to an email, I had some work to do. So you know what? I don't know. I'm, I shoot for in the morning, but if not, then I usually try my lunch break. But if that doesn't work, I often try when I get home. I usually say a bedtime prayer with the kids. What is the, what is the main priority of your life? What is the thing that is non-negotiable? Because... If we treated our relationship with Jesus like we do, or our job like we do our relationship with Jesus, we would miss a lot of days of work. You know, I'm sorry. I I usually do pretty well, but I was tired today. You just need to understand, I'll I'll work double as hard tomorrow. Man, we would have an unemployed church. But no... If we say, listen, there is one thing, it's, it's non-negotiable. No matter what, something else, I will skip something else before I skip my time to be in the presence of God Almighty, my creator, with time that is carved out for him. Well, I usually try to talk to him a little bit here and there as I go. You know, sometimes people say it's not about quantity, it's about quality. There's an element of truth to that, but you're going to find a lot of people that say that are the ones that are too lazy to get up and spend quality time in prayer and quantity time in prayer. Yes, it's about quality, but there should be quantity to our prayers. There should be time that says, this time is only to be in the presence of the Lord. Nothing else matters other than this moment. We need a planned schedule of prayer time. We see this biblically. Acts 3, verse 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. The, the, the apostles, the apostolic church, we say, I, I'm apostolic. I believe in the Pentecost. I, I'm Pentecostal. I'm apostolic. Well, if we are, then we look at the way they did things. It wasn't just doctrine, but methods that they went to a, the temple at a specific time to pray in their lives there was structured prayer time and that's where a certain layman and that's where the miracles happened well when did these miracles happen it wasn't just by happenstance it was that them saying hey tomorrow i know where i pray and when i pray it is a structured time for me in my life with jesus christ the lame man was healed a few verses later but before we had a miraculous healing we had prayer the hour of prayer. Genesis 19, 27, you go back even further. Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. Abraham, father of the faithful, how does that happen? He didn't just say, well, I'm going to just see what happens tomorrow. You know, I got a busy day. I got to get the sheep and the cattle and got to clean them over there. And I'm heading down to visit Lot. And, you know, no, there was, there was a specific time and place that Abraham met with the Lord. And so if, if we say, man, I read these stories, I wish I could have the relationship that Abraham, Moses, David, oh, I wish I could have the relationship Peter, Paul, James, John had. There were fixed times of prayer. It was their priority. See, these are, there are things that God can only accomplish in our lives when we pray. We will quickly come to realize that all the services in the world won't make us right with God. All the preaching there is to hear will lose its effect if we don't pray. As a matter of fact, if we're not praying, I can preach, and sometimes I preach really, really 
bad messages. They're just not very good sometimes. But then other times, I preach really, really good messages, no matter if you respond or not. And the effect on some of those things is not always the preacher. Sometimes it's, is your heart soft and open to receive the word of God. And why do I am all, why am I always going, come to pre-service prayer. Let's have pre-service prayer. I want the musicians at pre-service prayer, the singers at pre-service prayer. I want Sunday school teachers spending time in pre-service prayer. If it's not in the sanctuary, it's downstairs. I want this. Why? Because I know that there's something about being pliable and, and, and soft in the presence of God, ready to receive. If the first time that we pray on a Sunday, as a Sunday school teacher, if the first time you pray is when you walk in at 1040, you're off to a bad start. If the first time that I prayed as the preacher for that morning was when the first key was hit on the keyboard and I said, God, it's so good to talk to you. Good morning. It's 10 o'clock. We're ready to have church. There's a problem. I want to be prepared spiritually for not only what I'm going to receive, but what I'm going to give. And that's not just in a church service. That's on Monday morning. That's on the Thursday morning. Because what? We don't segregate. Well, we got our church life and our work life and our family life and our professional life. It's all one. Jesus is the center of my life. So just like I don't want to come in and minister on a Sunday, I don't want to go to work or wherever I'm going to go on Thursday morning without prayer. Because I want to get up and I want to say, God, you're the center of my life. What's your will for my life today? What do you have planned for me? Let me see through your eyes. Let me walk with joy, the fruit of the Spirit. And so prayer, it's not meant to be a drudgery. It's not like I compared it to losing weight. Bad comparison. Some of us now are going to associate prayer with losing weight, and they're like, oh my goodness. No, prayer is not meant to be a drudgery. It's a great joy. It does take commitment and discipline, but there's no greater joy in our world than to walk away having heard and been impressed by God with things, shared your life with him, walked out of this place. And you know what? All the cares of the world, they come into perspective. When you walk out of a time of prayer and you say, I just spent time with the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who knows the beginning from the ending, who loves me more than anyone or anything on the face of this earth, who, who has eternity planned for me, who is my ruler, my king, my judge, my father, my friend. There's no greater joy than to walk out of that time saying, I just spent time in the, in the presence of the creator of this universe. And so there's... There's a lie from the devil that circulates, and that is, even in churches, come as you are, Jesus loves you, it's all right. There's an element of truth to that, too. You can come as you are, but you know what? This thing of don't worry, you can still make it to heaven, see miracles, have power with God if you don't pray. I, I think that's a lie. I really do. I think that if we want to see signs, wonders, and miracles, if we want to develop a deeper relationship, I believe if we want to make it to heaven, we have got to be a praying people. 
Why? Because that's all about my relationship with God. It's about keeping him first. It's about having him in his proper place. If we don't pray, prayers aren't answered. If we don't pray, we won't have miracles. If we don't pray, the anointing of God doesn't rest on us. If we don't pray, we'll be trying to do this on our own strength and power. If we don't pray, we'll be ineffective in reaching a city. But if we do pray, we do have power. We do. We are spirit-led. We do have God's eyes. And if we do pray, I believe there we will no doubt make it to heaven there's so so many benefits of developing a lifestyle of prayer and that's why I, I, I call this a lifestyle of prayer because this is not a prayer meeting. This is not a, a, a 40 days of prayer. This is not a, a prayer month or a prayer week or a prayer service or we're going to have a prayer meeting on Sunday. This is about a whole lifestyle shift. This is about us saying, I'm not just going to one prayer meeting, trying a week of prayer, trying to do. It's about me saying, getting my perspective correct and saying, God is the foundation, the center of my life. Everything else revolves around that in nothing, nothing. It's, it, it is not up for debate that I spend time, quality time, in the presence of Jesus Christ every single day. That's got to be our mindset. And so the first benefit of prayer is relationship. There are some uh, here that may have spoken to God before and you have even felt his presence, but I want you to know this. No matter how long you walked with God, I don't care if you could take these notes and preach it better than me tonight. No matter how long you walked with God, God desires to know you in a deeper way. If you've been in church for five minutes or for 50 years, never allow yourself to get complacent. Because no matter how long you pray now, how long you've been praying, how many prayer meetings you've been to, how many people you prayed through to the Holy Ghost, no matter what, God looks at you and he says, I want to still do more. I want to still know you deeper. I still want to even develop more of a relationship with you. So no matter how much we pray, point to yourself and say, I can grow. Every one of us, I can grow. And that's what concerns me about churches across the world is when I go into places and I sense that people are just kind of content with where we are. Because as the saying goes, the first step to the first sign of backsliding is when you stop moving forward. No matter what, if we say, I do not have a teachable spirit, I have, I'm already a prayer, I could probably teach you how to pray, we, we got to get rid of that. No matter where we are, I can always grow. God longs to know me more. He wants to, my, mine and his relationship to be more developed than ever before. You might know his name, a little bit about him, but he wants to share things with you too. God's going to impress on you his likes, his dislikes, what his plan and where he wants to take you. But you only find these things out in times of prayer. Here's the beauty that I see in the Bible, Revelation 5.8. I, I, I get this feeling that he, based on what I read in Scripture, when he had taken the book, the four beasts, the 424 elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. John is trying to describe something that he's seeing in this vision, in this book of Revelation, and he's talking about the fact that God literally stores up the prayers of the saints. So like, when I pray, and when you pray, 
Have any, has anyone ever prayed and you just feel like you have a direct connection to God? I mean, God just hears your prayers. Boom. Anyone? All right. Three of you have felt that. It's an amazing feeling. Has anyone ever felt like your connection's cut off? Like literally, it's the wood in the ceiling. You sent the prayer up and it just smacked you and fell right back on your head. Anyone? All right. Four people there. So, God keeps every word. You know scripturally that, you know what? When I pray, God, he hears me. My prayers are important to him, like a sweet savor, an odor that he stores up. He holds on to our our words. God has always wanted a relationship with his people since the beginning of time. Otherwise, you think about this. Why did Jesus say in Matthew 4, 19, come, follow me? I mean, when he says this, was, was, was he, was he, why didn't he just say, hey, uh, meet me on Sundays? I'll see you guys back. I mean, Peter, James, and John, great job today. Music was awesome. John, good job on deeper waters. I'll see you back here next Sunday. Why? Because did he really need the disciples' help? Did God manifest in flesh needed the disciples' help? No way. He could have used angels if he wanted to. He was not in need of, he didn't need them to follow him or be with them. Why? He wanted to be in relationship with them. Because even though it is God manifest in flesh, he took on the likeness of sinful flesh, that even as a human man, he still desired that relationship. And there was an instilling. There was discipleship. There was things done there. But when I look at that, Everywhere he went, he lived life with them. They ate together, traveled together. There was relationship there. When he walked through the temple and angrily started flipping over tables because they were buying, selling, and exchanging money, he did not say, my house will be called the house of worship. My house will be called the house of preaching. He says, my house will be called the house of prayer. And that's why it can, I, I, sometimes I wonder, I go, are we doing church wrong? If we come in right at 10 o'clock for worship, hear good preaching, spend three minutes at the altar and leave. Because he says, my house will be called the house of what? Prayer. So what's possibly the most important thing we're going to do? Pray. That's why when a message wraps up, even if you say, uh, pastor recently spoke about it. He preached some good ones. He preached some bad ones. This is definitely a bad one. Still find an altar. <laughs> still pray. Because I still want to get in the presence of God and say, God, is there anything in this you had for me? Lord, help me to preach to some, have pray with someone else. If there's anybody here, God, I know that this probably was for someone, even if it wasn't for me, God. I want, I want, to, pr- I want to pray. I don't want to spend 30 minutes worshiping, 30 minutes preaching. Plus or minus a few minutes. And then three minutes in prayer. It concerns me, and I'm only 35. Like I say, I don't think that we're far off and we're a bunch of heathens doing everything wrong, but I think that there's a lot of room for improvement too. And and, and it kind of scares me because I'm only 35, but I grew up in the church since I was eight. Who here has been in church for more than 15 years? Quite a few. 
How many would you, of you would know what I'm talking about when I talk about tarrying in prayer? How many think you have an idea of what that means? Tarrying in prayer. Meaning, hey, I might kneel down or stand up or, and I just don't feel anything right away. Don't feel the presence of God. Don't feel my prayers answered. Don't feel like I merely made any great connection. But yet there's something in me that says, I feel the need to pray. But sometimes, this is where we need to learn to walk in the spirit a little more. At the end of a service, during a worship service, on a Monday, in your car, in your house, whatever it is. Getting to the place where we will pray until God releases us from prayer. Instead of just saying, well, I got to pray my five minutes, or you know what, today I'm going to go way out, I'm going to pray an hour today, I'm going to get my hour done. When's the last time we began to pray, and you prayed not paying attention to the clock, till you felt God release you from that time of prayer? Till you literally felt something in you lift where you said, okay, it's time to leave now. That I'm literally in the presence of God talking to him until I felt him. Him give me that release. Well, you know what? Those, there's times I do pray and I just don't feel anything. Just because you don't feel anything, does that mean that it's not the time to pray? Tarrying is where sometimes where you just dig in and say, you know what? I just feel the need to get a hold of something today. And sometimes that enters into what you might even call spiritual warfare. Where you might be called to really battle against some things. Maybe in yourself, maybe in the spiritual realm. I don't know. But where you dig in and you begin to say, I'm not leaving this place until I feel a release. Because sometimes if you feel like the heavens are brass and you can't concentrate and just not my day to pray, we'll try again tomorrow. That might have been the day that you needed to push through some things. That we needed to break through some things that I needed to say, I'm going to stay here. I don't care if it takes me two hours. I'm going to stay in the presence of God until I can hear his voice feel his presence, and feel this release from whatever I'm feeling right now. See, growing up in church, there was a lot more tarrying in prayer than there is today. Now, I, I would like to get that back. But in order to get that back, we've got to deny flesh and feed spirit. Deny flesh, it says, I ain't going to church tonight, I got a lot going on. And we get more people on a Sunday morning so we can look around and know that this happens. Not every person who's not here tonight is just lazy and following flesh. There's, there's life. There's situations. But there are some that didn't come just because it was inconvenient. And so we have to get to the place where we say, you know what? I'm going to be in church no matter what. I'm going to pray the next tomorrow, the next day, no matter what. Why? Because he's the center of my life. He's the foundation of my life. Why? Because even though I've walked this way a long time, I know that he still wants to reveal more about himself to me. That he still has a greater plan. I have, has anyone, does, can anyone genuinely raise your hand tonight and say, I feel like I have reached the highest point of what God can accomplish in my life? No way. So what are we waiting for? What, 
What is it that is keeping us from saying, I am about to give myself to prayer in a way that I've never given myself to prayer. I'm about to dedicate my life in a way I've never dedicated my life. I'm about to, to come up with a plan where I'm going to spend time in the presence and the power of God, and I'm going to tap into some things that I've never tapped in before. What keeps us from doing that? If no one can raise their hand that we have reached the highest point of what God can accomplish in our lives, what is keeping us from going deeper in prayer? Self. You can have as much of God as you want. How much of yourself are you willing to give? I just, that's one thing that always stays in my mind. I feel like I'm going to stand before God and no matter what I do, I feel like I'm going to say, I just wish I would have done more. And that's not to belittle grace, because I think God's the God of grace, absolutely. But I know that I could be more in him than what I am right now. And so the second benefit of prayer, though, is, is it's power. A story was once told of a tourist went to China and visited a heathen temple on a great feast day, observed hundreds of worshipers standing uh, surrounding the hideous idol encased there. Most of the worshipers brought prayers written on small pieces of paper and wrapped in balls of stiff mud to fling at the idol. When the tourist inquired of the purpose for this strange and appalling practice, he learned if the mud ball, you write your prayer, you put in a mud ball, you fling it at the idol. If the mud ball stuck to the idol, the prayer would surely be answered. But if the mud fell off, the God had rejected the prayer. Could you imagine serving a God that that was your belief? That you literally flung your prayers with mud and saw if you could get it to connect to a statue. And if it did, your prayer was answered. If not, it was not. What a sad deity to believe in. Prayer is powerful. Jesus Christ is powerful. Another, Dr. Jerome Stowell, a leading American nuclear scientist, speaks with astounding implications. Says with the delicate instrument which we have devised, we can measure the wavelengths of the brain. Recently, we checked the emanations from the brain of a woman near death. She was praying at the time, and we could tell that something about her was reaching toward God. The meter registered 500 positive. This was 55 times the power registered by a 50 kilowatt broadcasting station sending receptions and wavelengths around the world. Her prayer was more powerful that, than that. And he goes on, in the same hospital, we trained our meter on the brain of a man cursing God, and the meter registered 500 negative. There are two extremes so far indicated on, the, the, they're the two most extremes indicated on the instrument. We're on the threshold of a spiritual discovery. No one can fathom the literal pull a Christian exerts when he or she is in a personal contact with God. It's actually tangible, far beyond the comprehension of mortality. I believe that. And, and even more recently than this, they've measured people speaking in tongues. There is something not just spiritual, but physically tangible when we are talking to the creator of the universe. As a result of this study, Dr. Jerome Stowell, previously an atheist, turned to God and gave him his life. 
See, Acts 4.13 says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them. What? That they had been with Jesus. Let it be said of the people of Refuge Church that when we go into our community, that people will look at us and say, because later on we're going to get into what people see, and I believe in external holiness, that someone can look at us and say, wow, there's something different about them. But let it be said not just of the outside, but that something from the inside, the fruit of God's spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Let it be said that when someone talks to us, works with us, goes on vacation, lives next to us, whatever it is that they say, Oh, there is something about that person. They are different. They talk different, walk different, act different, think different. There's something that's so different about them that they can look at us and say, that person has been with Jesus Christ. That's how they were able to tell. They looked and they said, there wasn't anything special about their education or their talents. But they looked at those men and they said, but I will tell you, you can tell that they've been with Jesus. I want people who talk to me and know me and come to meet me, I want them to look at me and to say, you've been with Jesus, I can tell. I want that. In the words of the apostle John, though, this is what it all comes down to. John chapter 3, verse 30. When Jesus steps on the scene, he's a forerunner to Christ. And what does it say in John 3, 30? It says, he must increase. I must decrease. That one statement, I don't want to be melodramatic because there's so much of the Bible that is so powerful and we've got to follow so many principles. But this one simple, tiny little sentence, he must increase, I must decrease. I believe could be one of the most powerful truths that we will ever follow in our life. Because if he increases and I decrease, I don't have a problem with the tithing. I don't have a problem with external holiness. Because whatever I want to put on my body that might not be of him, it takes second place to the fact that I decrease, he increases. I don't have a problem with prayer because you know what? I can wake up in the morning and I can talk to God and he's the center of my life. And all the other things I want to do take a back seat. Why? Because he increases, I decrease. I can fast on a weekly basis and even though my body's going, I'm hungry, feed me, ah, I can say no. Flesh decreases, God increases. If we could just that simple phrase, if we could just live by that simple phrase and that's a motto for us. I believe that alone can change our lives because we're in a society. Even we heard Brother Bernard talk about it, postmodernism. It's all about me, the way I view things, the way I uh, explain truth, the way I define truth. It's all, it's all self-centered. We are probably in one of the most self-centered times in civilization. And so to pray and to fast and to draw near to God and to be in church when the doors are open to make him a priority in every facet of our lives, oh, that, that's, that, that, there's a battle at times. To worship when I don't feel like worshiping. I grew up in a time 
where you worshiped even if you didn't feel like it, where you worshiped even if you were aching or sore or you, it was the, it was, it was the, 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 the cost of praise. It was God was worthy. That's the way I was raised. You worship no matter. I didn't just stand for worship when I felt like standing for worship. I might have tried that maybe twice with my dad. My dad instilled some things in me. He instilled in me to teach me to pray too. Can I grow? Absolutely. I'm planning on it. Even more. I'm, gonna, I'm never going to stop growing. I'm going to keep hungering for God. But he would say to me, he would say, you got to be praying. And so my mom had to be there at 8. Church started, or school started at 8.30. And my dad would tell us to go with my mom. And he required it that we would go into the sanctuary and spend some time in prayer. My sister and I both. She would attest to this. And I started that, I don't know, super young. And there was a few times that he wouldn't, he wouldn't come with us. We went with my mom. She was in the learning center. We were taught to go and spend at least 15 minutes in the sanctuary and pray. And they would pray with us at night, and they were teaching us to pray. And some people in our day and age would say, that's rough. That's terrible. They, that's so hard. They made you do that as a little boy. And that's what's crazy. It's like if we don't teach our kids to read, they become illiterate. If we don't teach our kids to eat right, they become unhealthy. If we don't teach our kids to exercise, they can become obese. But yet we expect like them to just all of a sudden come to church, go to Sunday school, hear messages from the pastor, and learn how to pray. And that's not the case. What are we doing as parents to teach our children how to pray? At nighttime, are we saying, hey... Uh, uh, God did this for me today. What did God do in your life? What are you thankful for today? Let's, let's pray. Why don't you start the prayer tonight? Okay, now you pray part. Now you're going to finish it. Okay, because daddy's thankful. I'm going to pray with him. What are we doing to instill something in them? My dad, he, would, he gave me a prayer clock. And, and I think there's a prayer clock at the back of your handout. No, there, there was supposed to be one. I guess I didn't. I guess it wasn't there. We'll have to get that. Um, there was supposed to be a prayer clock there. Uh, and um, that prayer clock, there were, it was divided into several topics. And like I say, I'll have that for you. We'll get some copies. Um, but some people use that. It worked for me. Because if you pray for X amount of time, you can divide it by certain segments of the prayer clock. For someone like my wife, she doesn't like that structure. She feels restricted. Well, then don't use it. But we'll make sure we get copies for you. But he gave me that, and, and I went to the church. And every once in a while, he would make a surprise drop in on, on the sanctuary. <laughs> and once in a while, he found me, like, laying on the pew and just kind of relaxing. <laughs> so then we had a conversation, and he taught me more. And I probably said something like, well, Pam's not praying either, so... That's the wise thing to do, I guess, when you have a sibling. But it was a lifestyle. We gave ourselves, the, I mean, we want to be, we, we today want to be like the apostolic church. Acts 6.4 says, we will give ourselves continually to the ministry of the word. The word of God commands us continually, I'm sorry, to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So it wasn't just about preaching. It wasn't just about the limelight. For the apostles, they said, hey, we're going to give ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. But ministry of the word is birthed out of prayer. 
if we try to minister in song, in Sunday school, in teaching, in preaching, in doing Bible studies, even sharing our faith, if we're trying to minister without the word and with prayer, all we're trying to do then is minister our personality and things that we know which is not where the effectiveness comes in. When I'm in the word of God, I'm not just getting knowledge, but literally in the beginning was the word, where was with God, word was God, and the word became flesh, dwelt among us. God is his word. So when I'm t- spending time in his word, I'm getting an element of being in the presence of God. When I'm praying, I'm getting another element of being in the presence of God. There's a, rela- there's a knowledge element, a relationship element. And then when I come in contact with someone, what begins to pour out of me is not just, a, well, my personality and things that I've learned. And it, it's what has been put in. And so what's been put in begins to come out. And the danger for us is if we're not careful and all we do is feed flesh and not spirit, what begins to come out can be Netflix and social media and television. And that's why we've got to say, hey, the most important thing in my life is my walk with God, the word of God, so that what begins to pour out of me is what I've put in. And what I've put in is not just a bunch of social media and entertainment. It's having spent time in the the presence of my creator and my Lord and been in his word, and that's what begins to pour out of me. That's what I want. So many today are afraid to do things like this with their kids, but I'm telling you, your grandkids, your kids, do it. Teach your children. Teach your nieces, nephews, grandchildren. Teach them to pray. Teach them how to have faith, how to walk with God. Third benefit of prayer is joy. More than 20 Americans aged 12 and older are depressed. More than, 20, more than 1 in 20 Americans aged 12 and older are depressed. See, 20 people, more than 1 in 20. Statistics say that worldwide 2,000 people commit suicide each day. That's 83 suicides per hour. For some, there's a need of medicine and counseling. There's some real physiological issues, but not for everyone. For some that are depressed or feel down in the dumps, a missionary from Panama told me once, joy is the direct byproduct of a healthy relationship with God. If we stop trying to get joy and start trying to get in the presence of God, joy would naturally come. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So guess what? Biblically, I don't care what professionals, medical professionals are saying right now. We see biblically, joy is the fruit of the Spirit. So if I look at this, I can say, if I have more of the Spirit, what's going to happen? More joy will follow. Now, again, I say there are certain cases physiological. I'm not saying that there's no need for doctors, no need for medicine. Don't even twist my words. But for some, if we would just get in the presence and the, the spirit of God and his word, you will find that your outlook changes. That the things that seem so huge and insurmountable, when you take time to talk to the person who's in charge of those things, you walk away from that time going, God's got this. 
But how do I pray? Well, Jesus gave us a model, the Lord's Prayer. Some people will actually pray this prayer, and they will recite this prayer every day. If you want to do that, great. It's not against the Word of God. But I don't feel, when he, he said pray in this manner, I don't feel that it's necessary for us to say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we repeat that and say it X amount of times each day. If you want to do that, I know people who do, and they're good people that believe like we do. Go ahead. I don't think it's necessary. It was pray in this manner. He gave us an example of how to pray. <laughs> and so, uh, so that's in, in found in um, Matthew chapter 6. But Jude 20 says, But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. What is Jude saying here? Build yourselves up in the most holy faith, comma, praying in the Holy Ghost. So uh, let's just think simply here, okay? How do I build up my faith? It seems to say it right there, comma, praying in the Holy Ghost. So if you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, as it is laid out in the book of Acts and throughout the Bible, and have not spoken in tongues since the day you were filled, it's time for a refilling. That was not, that's just the initial sign, but it's a prayer language that God has given you where faith is built. You were not called to just speak in tongues one time when you first got the Holy Ghost. That is something that every single day in our prayer, you don't need the drums, you don't need the keyboard, you don't need the singers, you don't need a preacher, an official altar call. God's drawn to the praise of his people. The Bible says that they spoke in tongues as God gave them the utterance. Yes, as you worship God, you're going to feel his presence and his power and just begin to cry out and call out. And, and as you feel his presence, begin to speak in tongues again. Don't just pray in tongues one time or in a church service. Use it every single day. We have many needs, but frequently are speechless when asking God to meet them. This is another reason that God gave us his spirit to help us pray. Romans 8, 26, the Bible says, the spirit helpeth our infirmities. We know not what we should pray as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us. You're filled with the spirit. Part of the reason is because when you begin to speak in tongues, you might not even fully understand what you're praying, but you know what? The spirit maketh intercessions for groanings which cannot be uttered. What position to pray in? Oh, that just, that just totally depends. What I've seen is the more desperate people are, the more they get prostrate. Well, am I supposed to pray with my hands up, my hands down? Am I supposed to pray kneeling down, laying down, sitting down? It don't matter. Pray however you want. I just say I often see, though, that the, the greater the need, when someone finds out their child has cancer, they're not going... Usually you see that person weeping with their face buried in the carpet. Why? Because there's something about the fact that, hey, when the greater the need, the lower we get. It just kind of happens naturally. She said, I haven't felt God in so long. I haven't spoken tongues in so long. I just don't feel like I even have a connection. You know, maybe tonight when you go home, you need to just get your face on the ground. Maybe get that flesh and say, you know what, flesh? I've exalted you too long. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go down. I'm going to bury my face. Jesus, hear my prayer tonight. But expect interference. I'm talking about praying, maybe praying two hours, praying until the Lord releases you. Well, if you're a parent here, you're already going, dude, you are crazy. I have kids. 
be on the lookout. Things are going to happen. No matter your age, your background, it's going to be a knock on the door. The phone's going to ring. A family member's going to need your help. Your friend's going to be crying in dire straits. The baby's going to start to cry. Family pressures are going to creep out of nowhere. You're, you'll remember a dozen things. It's, it's incredible. Like, we're not even go-getters. And all of a sudden, we go into prayer, and we're like, that's right. That's right. I meant to grab the mail, and I still got to cut the grass. I never pulled the car into the garage. Is the garage door open? I need to go check. The- Is the dog outside? Did I close the gate? I mean, like, just crazy stuff will come to your head. I think it was Joy, Sister Joy Haney, that said, you know what she did? She started carrying a notebook when she prayed. She said, I'm not going to give the, de- the devil an inch. So every time something came in her mind that she needed to do, she just wrote it on a piece of paper and kept on praying. Wrote it on a piece of paper, kept on praying. Because then I'm not even going to let my mind go there. Be sensitive. Fight to protect your alone time with God. Does God always answer? Yes, he does. It might not always be yes. It might not always be right now. Sometimes the saying says, when the idea is not right, he says no. When the timing's not right, he says slow. When you're not in right standing, he says grow. And when everything's good, he says go. God's delays are not denials. Psalm 41, 40 verse 1. Uh, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. I do love it, though, when God swings the door wide open. That's awesome. But, folks, tonight, this lesson on prayer, chances are I, I probably didn't tell you anything you haven't heard before, but we need to hear it. We need, we need this because right now you've heard biblically-based teaching. In prayer, a message like this, it's, it's, it's a turning point. It's a turning point for you. It's a turning point for the church. It's a turning point for our community. It's kind of strange you hear something like that, that strong, because there's not like a revival atmosphere on this Wednesday night of church. Nobody's playing the keyboard quietly underneath right now. All the things that are normally associated with a great move of God. But really, right now, we're at a turning point. Like, the way you respond to what you just heard will dictate where you go in your walk with God for the rest of your existence. Every single one of us will respond in some way. I'm going to open the altar for and invite you to come and pray. And truthfully, I don't even think we have a musician here tonight. They're all busy or out of town. I don't need a keyboard to to pray. So I'm going to invite you to come in just a second, and you're going to respond right now one way or another. But then it doesn't stop there. Tomorrow morning you wake up, and you'll respond one way or another. Prayer is turning toward God, and not praying is turning away from him. It sounds really simplified, but it's true. And I'll even say this. I'm going to throw out a challenge. And you can look. I'm going to wrap up because in your handout, there's a whole bunch of reasons why we don't pray. And you can look at them. But I'm going to throw out a challenge. Let's stand to our feet. Because I think for us to just say, hey, let's just pray. Let's find a place to pray. Make sure you pray this week. It's kind of just general. I think for some of us listening online, some of us here tonight, we... There might be some who are just really not praying at all. 
We might be at the five-minute mark, like the average believer. There's others that I know that are praying well over an hour a day. But I believe God's calling all of us, every single one. We point to ourselves, I can grow. And if we will respond in prayer and fasting and seeking God's face and really, really stepping up, you're going to find that not only does he have a plan for you in your personal walk and family and ministry, but I feel so strongly God is getting ready to do some incredible things in this church. Hence the fact he's, he's laying on my heart that it's time for a, a, a new and improved season of prayer and fasting, a lifestyle. So no matter where you are, Here's my challenge to you, and I'm going to do the same thing. Double. Try it for at least two weeks. Double your current prayer life. If you're praying 30 minutes a day, go to an hour. If you're praying 10 minutes a day, go, go to 20 minutes. If you're praying an hour a day, go to two hours. Let's say that for at least the next two weeks and, and you see what God begins to do in your life. See what God begins to show you, what he begins to impress on you, the doors he begins to open for you just because you're more sensitive and aware. Because you know what we're saying as a people, we've kinda, we're kind of coasting right now and we're not backslidden. We're not like walking away from God. But God's sitting here saying, I'm ready to go to a higher level. I'm ready to go to a deeper place. And what he's doing is he is inviting us to come with him. He wants to take this church and do things that he has yet to do. There's a season coming. But in order to get to that season, there's a preparation phase in the spiritual realm that he's inviting us to right now. So I'm asking, I'm inviting you to join me. No music, no revival atmosphere tonight. But can we be mature enough to walk into this place and approach an altar and find a place to pray right now and raise our voice and forget about everybody else around us right now and begin to say, God, what are you calling me to do? Help me to meet the challenge because, Lord, I want to go to places where I've never been before. But in order to do, go somewhere you've never been, you'd be willing to do something you've never done. So if you will be that person that will say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to double my prayer life for at least two weeks and see what God does in my life, I invite you to come and find a place to pray. Jesus, God, I, I pray that I did all right communicating what you've laid on my heart. Jesus, there's a very... Very definite challenge, Father, that's before your church right now. You've been speaking to my wife and, and I about it, Lord. And God, I know that you are challenging us and you're impressing on us, Lord Jesus, to respond in prayer, Lord. And Father, we're, we're, there's people here tonight who maybe pray five minutes, 30 minutes, two hours. Lord, let us double whatever it is. To say, Lord Jesus, I'm, I refuse to stay the same. I refuse 
to settle in and become complacent and just kind of exist and hope for the best. No, Lord, I, I'm, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to, to, to press on. I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to begin to tarry in prayer. I'm ready, Lord Jesus, to go to some places where I've just never been before, to see some things that I've never saw before, Lord Jesus. And I pray that as a church, help there to be a group of people that would rally around that, that Lord Jesus, that would join me in that and that I would join them. And as a body of believers that we would say, Lord, I, I fully trust, fully trust that you're getting ready. You've already been doing so many great, amazing things here at Refuge Church and in this community. But Father, the, the feeling that I'm, I'm feeling, that I'm experiencing, and Lord God, even I talked about at the beginning of this lesson that you are going to challenge every single one of us in some way, shape, or form. It's not just challenges about the outside stuff. It's challenges right here about believers saying that I am going to respond. I'm going to pray more than I've ever prayed. I'm going to begin to touch God in ways I've never touched him. I'm, uh, Lord, that you would help us as a people, Lord Jesus. Father, to be comfortable raising our voice, to be comfortable finding a place to pray, to be comfortable making a priority to say, you know what, my flesh is not in control. I must decrease. He must increase. And that's every facet of my life. God, that we're going to come in on Sunday and say, you know what, pre-service prayer, it's a priority. It's a priority because I want the spiritual climate of this church to be set. Not to be developing at 10 o'clock, but to be set by 10 o'clock. That people walk in this door and that our mindset is already focused on you, zeroed in on you. Whether we're ministering that day or not, Jesus, I pray, help us. Help us, Lord God. Help us just whet our appetite, Lord, that we would be hungry for you, Jesus. That, Lord God, no matter how long we've walked this way, how many things we've seen, Jesus, help us to be hungry for you, God. Help us to be thirsty for you, Jesus. Help us, Lord God, to want things that we've never had before. That, Lord Jesus, in all of the blessings, in all of the mighty moves of your spirit, in all of the great revivals, in all of the great messages and responses and songs and worship Lord Jesus that there'd still be something in us that says I'm still not full I'm still not content I still want more I'm still hungry for you God I'm not content to just be oh yesterday's blessing Lord even now Lord Jesus as we started praying tonight the truth of the matter is is we did not feel you we did not feel your presence it was not this revival atmosphere but you got a group of people here right now on their knees who are willing to tarry in prayer, to break through whatever it needs to be broken through. And maybe it's our own flesh. Maybe it's just our own desires, God. But Father, we won't leave tonight until we get what we've come to get, Lord, what you have for us, Jesus. Lord God, I pray that something would break in the spiritual climate of this church that would free us to go to places where we have not yet been, Lord God. Jesus, I'm hungry for more. I'm ready, Jesus. And Lord God, help us as a church, Lord Jesus, to be prepared, to be spiritually in tune, to Lord God, to deny flesh, to stop feeding flesh at every corner. But Lord Jesus, to say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready, Jesus. I'm ready. I desire you more than life itself. Lord God, I'm desperate for you. I long for you. Lord Jesus, let that be our prayer tonight. 